I'm Dan. And I'm Dan. Welcome to the We Built This Business podcast as we sit down with ambitious entrepreneurs to discuss their journey and hear about the highs and the lows of running your own company. Each episode, we will find out what it takes to be an owner of a business as we learn about the challenges, the successes, the failures and the future. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to our next episode of We Built This Business with Dan and... And Dan. We have our next guest. He's a bit wild. I'm not sure if he's a goose, but it's Johnny. I don't know your surname, Johnny. What's your surname? Edsa. Edsa, Johnny Edsa. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Edsa with us today from Wild Goose, the owner of Wild Goose. Yeah. First question I've got for you, Johnny, a very important one. It's, it's about the most important meal of the day. Yes. I've done a little bit of a survey trying to find out what makes entrepreneurs work and tick, especially after their big breakfast. So what did you have for breakfast this morning, Johnny? I was very lucky this morning. My wife made a fruit bowl for me and her and my son. So I had a fruit bowl, which was like whizzed up fruits with strawberries, granola. It's not, I don't get that every day. Like a smoothie. Yeah, like a smoothie, but in a bowl with fruit, fresh fruit. Sounds good. Normally, Sounds it's, normally it's porridge. Normally porridge. That's what powers me all day. No eggs, because eggs have been quite popular. I, love, I do love eggs, but uh, yeah, I was very lucky. My wife is a personal trainer and she was at a client at seven o'clock, so she made breakfast for me and my son this morning. That's awesome. Which absolutely, is lovely. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, to be fair, if you ever ask me, Dan, it's malt wheat. So what, you, you had know, what? Malt wheat. Malt wheat. Yeah, they're like cheap shredded wheat. Cheap shredded wheat. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It's what I give the kids because it's because it's cheap, basically. Yeah. But I don't want to nice. tell you what it's I nice am. and healthy. Nice and healthy. Fiber. <clears throat> but it's good to have Dan back with us today. So obviously last week Dan was away. He was doing his office games game show. How did that go, Dan? It was wonderful. We had 160 people in the one of the biggest event rooms I've ever been in venues. The Rep, I think it's called the Rep. I'm going to sound really. It's probably not called the Rep in Birmingham, and it was it was great fun to be on stage and have a giant screen, a sound engineer. Basically, I was a bit of a diva. I was a bit of a diva on the stage. For, <laughs> it's been Dan's dream since since we the Office Game Show was set up to do a live audience for around 150 people, and he's now achieved that goal. So the next goal is, was it 25,000 people? You may sound much better than I did, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. So today we have obviously Johnny telling his story. So we'll we'll, we'll hand over to Johnny and ask him to just tell us a bit about Wild Goose events. All right. So Wild Goose, we are a team building business. We've got two arms of our business. We run our own events, but we also license out our technology to other team building partners around the globe. So we deliver all of our tech, all our events using our tech that we've built, mainly sort of GPS challenge type activities, indoor activities, virtual and hybrid games, all played through an app that can be played, like say, outside in, a, in an outdoor environment or online or in a meeting room. So that's what we that's what we run. And yeah, like I say, we've got a number of partners globally who use our tech and our games to deliver events in their territories for their clients. So do you have hosts that go out all over the the country into the countries that you go in to host the events? Yeah, so we have a network of freelance hosts who are mainly actors, presenters, comedians, a whole host of skills. And uh, yeah, we we book a job and then that person goes and delivers the job, whether that's in person, remotely, online. We have a yeah, a host a network of hosts all over the place. So yeah, we built quite a lot of this sort of freelancer network over the 
special well we had a good network before covid but over the pandemic we grew it on a global scale and that's allowed us to run events pretty much anywhere at as little as 48 hours notice so it's been it's, it's a great resource for us and it's a great great network that we've got of really good professionals sounds amazing and the split between virtual and live events obviously since the pandemic's um, yeah. essentially gone away the customers still have an appetite for virtual yeah it's probably about a third of what we do now is virtual so it's still pretty sizable uh, obviously it went fully extreme 100 percent at the beginning of the pandemic we'd never run a virtual event before the 1st of april 2020 uh, as with many people but i think what it's done is it's it's untapped this demand and a need for global teams to connect it's all well and good you know you've got your team who will work here they will live reasonably locally and, and and getting them together is not probably that difficult when you've you know what i think the pandemic untapped was this ease with which a team in the netherlands and a team in the uk could come together and do something without having to necessarily all get on planes and fly somewhere so i think that that part of it has carried on obviously the in person has come back because clearly people like getting back together in person but virtual has got its place and i i believe it is here to stay yeah no and, and i agree and we do we do a little bit of virtual still ourselves don't we in the team building mm -hmm. arena so we'll talk a little bit more about that later but obviously let's go back to the beginning of wild goose so yeah. why, why did you why did you start wild goose events i always wanted to run my own business i'm from a family of business owners so my granddad ran his business my dad ran his own business my brother runs his business my other brother runs a business my sister runs a business so it was kind of i guess it was in the blood i always wanted to run a business i wasn't particularly built to work for a big organization i was working for network rail back then i joined them on their graduate scheme they were called rail track at the time they were a private company they rebranded as network rail and i was involved in all of their station retailing so when you go to one of the big stations in the uk they've got like hmvs or marks and spencers or whatever it is we were putting all that retailing into the stations but i always enjoyed events because we always used to have quite a lot of launch activity around those new stores and we did lots of launch activities with retail estates agents and people like that so i always enjoyed that side of it and i'd done a bit of events in the past my wife was in events at the time as well so i just thought you know what I'm, i want to set up an events business how hard can it be, <laughs> you know? And what was your wife doing in events? What was she doing? She was working for the Sports Council. So she was organising, okay. she she worked on the 20, 2002 Commonwealth Games in Manchester. That was a big event she was working on. So we both had that sort of background and we just thought, you know what, it'd be fun. You know, enjoy events. I like people, I like organising things. And uh, I set up an events company. It wasn't Wild Goose, actually. It was another company. It was called Aorta Events. Terrible name. No one can spell it. And it was basically this general events company that did team building, dinners, parties. Didn't have a huge amount of strategy about it. I got a mate to build a website and I quit my job. And in January 2004, 2004, so 20 years next year, I set up Aorta Events. And the first inquiry, so the birth of Wild Goose was a year later. The first inquiry on day three was for a treasure hunt. And it was a some guy from T-Mobile, now EE, who found our website and said, I'm on your website, do you do treasure hunts? To which I said, of course we do. We do loads of them, they're our <laughs> most popular product. And he said, brilliant, we're looking at doing something in Covent Garden. I said, what are the odds? Our most popular location. <laughs> and I sold him what I thought was a treasure hunt, which was basically a clue-based game around Covent Garden. He said, do you do them with digital cameras? And I was like, of course, only the best. Most of our confessors at the time only 
did uh, had Polaroid cameras. So they didn't they didn't use they didn't use digital cameras, which were still quite expensive and quite new. So a week later, I'd sold this job. Thankfully, I had about two months to put it together. And my uh, my wife Jane was not impressed that the first job I'd sold required me to go out and buy 12 digital cameras, which were about 200 quid each at that time. Bearing in mind, we just remortgaged the house for me to set up an events business. So I wasn't in the good books, but we created this. I wrote this, this, this treasure hunt. I tested it on my sister and her friends. And yeah, April 2004, we ran our first treasure hunt. Fantastic. So was Jane involved in the business? Not immediately. She was at the Grove Hotel at that time, which was just on the outskirts of, um, of London. But she, she, she did get involved later for a bit, yeah. Amazing, amazing. And so that customer, obviously, that was your first lead and your first booking. Yes. And, I mean, do you know where that customer came from? Because obviously you said they came across your website. Yeah, just found us on sort of pay-per-click. So I was quite lucky in early 2000. Again, pay-per-click, Google Analytics was quite in its infancy, but my, mm. my mate ran a stag and hen business and he sort of taught himself the, the, the dark arts of, of web SEO and pay-per-click. So he sort of helped me get a few things set up. But yeah, this person just Googled team building and for whatever reason, my website had come up and, 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 yeah. and, we, and we ran it and then they enjoyed it and he recommended us to someone else. And that first year, we ran a few dinners, a few parties. We sold a bit of team building, other people's team building. But I did about 12 treasure hunts that year. And by Christmas, I was like, I love, I love these treasures because I like history, I like learning about places, I like traveling, I like exploring. And by the end of that year, I thought, do you know what? I'm selling in this treasure business. I quite like this. I was making the most margin on it because it was my product. So rather than selling someone else's, I was, I was running it myself. And I loved that. I just thought, yeah, this is great. I should set up a separate brand, very targeted towards treasure hunts because no one else is really doing it that well. And you've got 12 digital cameras you need to use. I've got 12 digital cameras I've got got to use. So I set up, my mate was in sort of branding. He just set up his his business, marketing business, and he's came up with a few names. Wild Goose stood out just immediately. Wild Goose treasure hunts because we send people on Wild Goose chases. Mm. I was like, love it. Let's go with it. And by the sort of the spring of 2005, Wild Goose treasure hunts was, was born. Brilliant. And that came from demand, essentially. From demand and me yeah. just saying, do you know what? My wife Jane thought I was mad. She was like, Treasure Hunts, really? What are you, what are you on about? And I was like, nah, do you know what? I just, I think it's, it's good. And that following year, we did 75. So we went from 12 to 75. And the following year, we did about 125. And then, you know, it just grew and grew and grew to such a point by 2006, seven, we stopped everything else. We were just like, let's just do this because we're good at it. I love doing it. And it's great fun. And um, yeah, so yeah. Wild Goose is what it was. I mean, that, that demonstrates two really key entrepreneurial traits. The first one is just doing it. It's yes. just going, we're going to set up an events business and we'll work out what we're going to do along the way. And then the second thing is once you've earmarked what to do and where there's a demand for it, then focusing on that and pushing it hard, essentially. Yeah, because yeah. So, we were still, you know, we had a three of us at the time. My sister was working for me and we had someone else. And yeah, being focused just on that one thing and doing it really well was, was a good, was definitely a good lesson, I think. So Johnny, growing up, did you have any other entrepreneurial traits? Like, did you set up any other small little businesses while you were younger? Or do you know, I was I was always working. My parents, I definitely credit my parents with instilling a really good work ethic in me. I was always nothing was nothing was for free in our house. You had to work for everything, whether it was a packet of panini stickers or a couple of quid to go to the school fete. You had to work for it. You had to 
do jobs you know if you do this i'll give you that and that was very much very much came from my parents so yeah so i was you know i was doing paper rounds i was doing working for my brother who was setting up a landscape business so i was, I was sort of laboring for him i worked for my dad who who ran a computer simulation business i'd do a lot of cold calling for him in the summer during the school holidays at that point you could phone up a switchboard and ask for the name and address of the ops director so that my dad could then write a letter and send it to them about his latest service so i'd do a lot of cold calling and stuffing envelopes and it got me yeah it just got me used to speaking to business people presenting yourself as being older and knowing more than what you actually knew at whatever 15 16. best job i ever had was i'm a crystal palace fan a footballer football fan and i got a job on match day selling scratch cards on on the terraces and went my way up to the corporate boxes and you you basically get them for free so you go and watch football and get money for it and you're thinking Where's the catch? So, so yeah, it was always about jobs. It was always about working. It was always about having money to to give, yeah, give the opportunity to do things that you wanted to do. And just, yeah, my parents just definitely, definitely my parents instilled that in me. Yeah, and that hard work ethic. Is yeah. That is, when you set up your own business, you need, you need yeah. a work ethic. Never, yeah. ever give up. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. I'm trying to install that in my son at the moment. He's four. Yes, he plays. He starts for, early. He plays <laughs> frustration with me, and as soon as I start winning, he he walks off. Yeah, so I'm working on it. Yeah. he still walks off at the moment. He still walks off. Yeah. So when you started your the business, obviously you know you started focusing on treasure hunts. What was what was kind of one of the the main or couple of challenges that you had when you first started in business? Do you know what? those early years were, were actually weren't too bad actually because it was like early early two thousands. I mean the economy was booming you know it was it felt like quite a low risk time to set up a business you know i took some money out against my house but at that time house prices were just going up at record levels this is all pre-financial crash in 2008 and so it felt relatively low risk you know i didn't have any children at the time and you know my wife and i you know she had a, a good job so we kind of you know it, it felt fairly risk-free although it wasn't risk-free i think that's just the attitude of someone, you know, of, of entrepreneurial people, you always see it as low risk and it actually, it actually is. There were certainly a couple of challenges. One is I broke my leg in 2007 playing football. And when you run a small events business where you're the main presenter, that presents a certain amount of challenges, especially when the events you run are generally mobile by nature. You're walking around city centres. And so I broke my leg. But it, again, it turned out to be a really good opportunity because... I got to a point where I was like, I was getting quite a few people phoning me up saying, I want to do one of your treasure hunts, but my, my budget's really small. Or I don't, yeah, I don't really need you there, which I took quite a lot of offense to. I was like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? You know, <laughs> but what I realized when I broke my leg and I, and it was quite a bad break. So I had to take about a week out of work and I sat there on my bed thinking, right, it's the first proper break I've had in three years since I'm setting my business up. And at that time, automated text messaging was just starting to emerge. So we take that very it's old school now, but back then it was quite cutting edge. So I came up with this idea of this self-managed game called the Takeaway, Wagyu's Takeaway. And the idea is that you could put one of our treasure hunts, we'd post it to you, and it would use an automated texting system. It was about the time of the Da Vinci Code, so everyone was really into sort of code breaking and stuff like that. So we had this, you had to create a six-digit code, answer all these questions around someone like Covent Garden, crack this six digit code and the texting would tell you whether you got the code right and how long it's taking you to do it. So if you were playing against another 
teams in your business or friends you can compare phones at the end and go ha we got the code in two hours 10 and you took two hours 17 and that was a that product came off the back of me breaking my leg because i just i don't think i'd have taken a week to think about stuff mm. just took me out of the business for a week which doesn't sound long but i came up with this idea and i met someone who did texting and we built this system with him and i knew a guy who did a lot of printing and dispatch and he did all the printing and dispatch and we sort of set up this whole new arm to our business in a couple of weeks wow so yeah sometimes yeah. out of adversity comes good stuff <laughs> but yeah that was certainly yeah. a challenge that was that was a big challenge in 2007 and then 2008 obviously the financial crash happened and that was really scary actually did that um, have a, a a big impact well no because the year before we set up the takeaway so what happens during i'm a big believer in in economic uncertainty and we're seeing a bit of that now people still want to do team activities they still want to get their teams together they just want to spend a bit less money doing it and what we realized with the takeaway is that we could offer people two options you could either have the fully managed solution where we'll turn up and provide the digital cameras or you could do it yourself and you'll do it yourself as about a third of the price so we actually found our our net profit in the year of the the, of the, the year of the financial crisis. financial crisis was stayed the same and we we knew a lot of events businesses that, that went to the wall I remember speaking to one one client and her 75% of her business was with Royal Bank of Scotland who obviously just went bang overnight you know so she went out of business and that was another vital lesson was don't have too many eggs in one basket mm. from a business perspective so it was that was quite scary but actually didn't harm us too badly it, we had to work twice as hard mind but it was it didn't you know purely from a financial perspective we we got through that fine so that was definitely a challenge in 2008 in that straight line. Yeah, scary time. I mean, I, I wasn't running a business at that time, but yeah, yeah obviously you can imagine corporate events world. There's oh. a lot of a lot of companies were pulling back out on, on everything, let alone entertaining their own staff. Yeah. Um, yeah, when banks are going out of business, you know that yeah. something's going massively wrong. <laughs> so yeah, it was not an easy time. So was that what inspired the move into the US? So I know in, in 2016, was it that you, you started almost um, diversifying into other markets? Well, no, a bit before then, we, we launched our first app in 2011. That's where we wanted to use tech to, to change our product. And we had a really good period of growth for the next three or four years from 2011 through to about 15. We were growing, you know, 30 or 40% a year because we had this new tech and it was we were a bit ahead of everyone else. We were starting to licensing it to other companies because we were getting other businesses. And and a big partner came to us in America and he licensed our app and wanted exclusivity of America. And we said, okay, we don't mind doing that. And then I guess it was probably a bit of the entrepreneurial, I don't want to say ego, it's not ego. It was just that sort of, we can crack America, surely, you know, because we were really nailing it here in the UK. It was going really well. It was growing well. And it was just like America, if we could do it there, hmm. then, you know, that's, that's a real show of intent for us as a business. You know, we we're up to crikey, probably 20, 20 odd staff at that point. Yeah. Just saw it as a challenge, I guess. Just saw it as a challenge, just as an opportunity. Our partner there was selling a lot of our product. We were looking at lots of other people out there who were doing what we were doing and our tech was far superior. We always felt, how hard can it be? We thought. So yeah, 2016, January the 4th, 
2016, I know that because it was my daughter's birthday. I landed in New York. It was freezing cold. For anyone who's been to New York in January will know it was like bone, cold to the bone cold. And I just started to go to networking places and meet, got introduced to you know lawyers and all the professional services to set up a business there. Very bureaucratic America. And, but yeah, by June, we were trading. June, 2016, two of my team went over there. We got visas for them. One on sales, one of ops, on ops. I'd have probably liked to have done it myself, but didn't want to move the family there. My kids were, you know, were settled, just starting school. So sent two colleagues over who were brilliant, treated it like their own business. And yeah, that was 2016. It was a crazy time. And is it, and is it still going now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We haven't got anyone on the ground there because with COVID, the people moved back and all yeah. sorts. So it's changed a little bit. But yeah, I guess one of the... And 2016 was a, was a really challenging year. And I guess this is another lesson is sometimes when you, set a, when you run a business, you can bite off more than you can chew because you've just got that natural drive for the next thing. Probably 2016 was a year where I think we, both, we bit off more than we could chew because we... We brought on another 10 people in the UK. We took on an office in London and we opened up in America. And from a financial perspective, it, it stretched us to the limit. It was really, you know, really tight. Is this cash flow wise? Cash flow wise, yeah. my focus. I was going to America four times a year. We were setting up there. We, we suddenly realized that America is actually a very different customer i mean we speak the same language but we're so different in so many ways from how we do business it's obviously a massive place as well so you know one thing driving two hours i mean you could pretty much drive anywhere in england within three hours got you to run an event that is not the case in america you know you maybe fly three hours you don't even get across the country so from just a pure scale perspective america was just very challenging and yeah, just it just everything costs more than we thought. I mean, it's just hiring an office, healthcare, wage. And we, and we did the wages. I mean, bless my two members who went over there. We did it on a shoestring, and they, you know, within six months we realised we were massively underpaying just for cost of living in New York. So we we just underestimated how big a job it was, and it's hard because I wasn't out there doing it myself. So it was you know you're one step removed, and that's always difficult as well. You know, and I. I my two team members who went out there you know trust them they're brilliant and they like i said they treated it like their own but it's yeah it's just yeah a lot of pressure on the business growth growth is expensive draining cash so yeah yeah challenging challenging year and obviously one of the challenges you earmarked was cash flow in 2019 so did that that pull into that time period yeah for a while yeah well 20 yeah 2018 basically we'd had two years of growth and I got to the end of 2018 and I, I, it was really hard for me to admit this at the time, but it was the first time I fell out of love with my business. Now, Wild Goose is my first child. Anyone who runs a business knows what it's like to run your own business. It is your flesh and blood. It is your sweat, your blood, your tears. It is everything you put into this business. And 2018 was the first time I'd fallen out of love with it because I was like, we've grown in America. We've got all these extra people in the UK. We're not really making any more money than we were. You know, we were we were a bit more profitable, but it was much more risky because you've got 35 people we were employing at that point. 
still in a reasonably seasonal and quite transactional business. It was really quite stressful. And I got to the end of 2018, I was like, what? what are we doing? You know, what is going on here? We've got to change this business. So uh, up to that point, we'd outsourced all of our tech and Steve, our CTO and, and another colleague called Ross, who's not with Wildwoods anymore, but they were running an agency who were basically supporting our app. They'd been involved in our first build of the app and they'd sort of supported us in various guises throughout. We finally got to the end of 2018 when we said, look, do you fancy coming in house? Because we want to scale the tech behind the scenes. Every booking we're managing is we're having to do booking forms and chase money and raise things. And it's all very customized. We've got to tech has got to help us to scale this part of the business. We were still, you know, we, we, we'd invested a lot to that point with things like Salesforce and other things, but yeah, we were like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. We've got to, so we brought this, the tech team in house, which was again, a big investment for us and through 2019, we we basically rebuilt a lot of the architecture behind the scene on our tech. We we wanted to launch online bookings for our products, which we didn't know whether that would work at the time. Not many people were taking online bookings for events. You know, there's lots of things you could buy online, but not necessarily buying an event online. That was a bit pie in the sky. We launched that. We were launching our partner schemes. We were targeting hotels and venues. That was taking a bit longer to to get off the ground. So by the end of 2019, yeah, our cash flow was was really tight so going into 2020 thinking the worst thing that's going to happen in 2020 <laughs> is brexit we took out a fairly sizable loan from funding circle secured against me and my a personal guarantee personal guarantee okay. and then the pandemic happened and you're thinking oh god what have i done you know and then obviously the year before you just invested in tech yeah tech team big overhead <laughs> borrowed this money against my house and then yeah january 2020 you could see this sort of this mystery thing from afar coming which was starting to get everyone a bit nervous february the cancellation started to come and you know yeah how, how did you initially obviously when lockdown came how did you initially deal with it we we were very decisive actually very quickly so one of my colleagues in one of my two colleagues in america america was quite challenging at that point because one of them wanted to come home and do something else so she was leaving our business in early march this was all this she'd had you know she'd made that decision before the pandemic and my other colleague who's therefore the one left running the business over there was not was a seven months pregnant and giving birth in in may so we're like, right, okay. <laughs> and then obviously this 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 thing was coming, COVID. We didn't really know what it was at that point. And I was like, right, I've got to go to America because we've got to move the office out of Brooklyn. We've got to move it up to Connecticut where Gemma lived. We've got to we've got to yeah move all the stuff out of the you know, the office because she couldn't do it on her own because she was seven months pregnant. Lucinda was leaving, and uh, so I, I went to America. I landed on the first of March, the day the first case of COVID was in New York City. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, am I going to get out of here? What's going to happen? We moved everything up to Connecticut. I got a flight back on the Thursday and got out of there, thankfully. So that had, that was sort of that period then. And then we made a very, very quick decision to, to scale up the team, which was probably one of the worst days of my working life was, and I remember the day because it was Friday the 13th of March. How can you forget? And we made... Yeah, everyone at Wild Goose who was under two years service redundant. We had to move quickly. 
we reduced our head because because the problem was was we made 90 percent of our profit from march to october and i just and i didn't care what anyone said to me and everyone was going i oh, know blow over it will only be a couple of weeks or and i just my gut and i know you know when you run a business you have to rely on your gut instinct sometimes and my gut was just like this is going to be a bigger problem than people think we had 14 weeks of cash left and i just thought no we've got to move quickly so we 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 made i think it was i don't know 15 people redundant on yeah friday the 13th monday the 16th is that right yeah monday the 16th was our last day all together in the office with the team that were left and we said right we need to create some virtual products because people are going to be working remotely let's create some virtual products it's something we'd sort of been thinking about before not massively but i'd known one other company that was doing it in america i was like i didn't know whether it was a good idea or not and then we thought do you know what we've got two or three things we can adapt we can create a quiz we can create a create a sort of this activity game show type thing and we had one other thing called the daily kickoff which was this sort of two-week game that ran and within a week we had these three products ready on the website ready to sell and i think we sold our first one the week later so we'd sold our first virtual event before the end of march fantastic it was an amazing yeah. the team were brilliant i mean it was a hard time obviously for everyone not just professionally personally no one really knew what was going on the government was all over the place everyone was all over the place you know and the focus from the team was just extraordinary just to sort of knuckle down we were lucky that the team we had left had a really good spread of skill sets they'd all been with wild goose a reasonable period of time but we had a good mix of sales operations marketing tech you know we we could manage every aspect of the business and you know that was really you know that was obviously very fortuitous in terms of the position and we obviously had the website where we could take online bookings so again that's something we'd obviously invested in the year before not knowing this was coming but hoping it would move in that way and yeah april was april was quite hard work because it was it was telling speaking to a lot of people about virtual events and no one really thought it, it was going to be something they needed to worry too much oh people are just we're just working for home for a few weeks and i can't remember how long the lockdown was for the start with you know two or three weeks we don't need to worry about this because we'll be back in the office soon. We'll all go to the pub and, you know, we'll all laugh about it sort of thing. So that sort of virtually, but you could tell as the month wore on, it became more and more obvious that this was something that we needed to, to do. At the end of April, we hadn't, we hadn't made any, we were still losing money. So we, we then took advantage of the furlough scheme because obviously that was then a, a thing. So some of our team went on furlough. So yeah, we were literally down. I was the salesperson and we had a marketing person, two tech people, ops person, a product development person. There was, I think there was six, seven of us core who went on furlough. And it was like, right, May 2020, the goal is to break even. We can't have another month losing money. We've got to break even. And we had to sell, we had our licensing revenue, but we had to sell, I remember like 40 grand. It's like, if I sell 40 grand, we'll break even. And... It nearly killed me, but we sold 40 grand that month. <laughs> and it was all like, I remember doing demos at two in the morning to clients on the West Coast of America, you know, just because, you know, you literally, time zones just blurred, didn't they? You know, it was just like, if you're if you're awake, it doesn't matter, you know? And I remember getting to the end of May and, and we, we broke even 
and and that was a massive milestone because that was for us it was like right we, we found a way to sort of survive make money in the pandemic you know so by, yeah. by this point how many how many virtual events would you say you were running like a month? oh we would have we probably would have we probably would have run I don't know, 20 or 30 that month, probably. Okay. Something like that. It was... It was like quite early on. Really early on, on yeah. yeah. This was still quite... These are the early adopters. Yeah. Who were going, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do this because we've got to, you know, we've got to support our teams. And and then what happened over, I guess, the next six months was probably the most extraordinary period of my business life where it was just, you know, June, we did more. I wanted to do 10% more in June. We did, you know, 12, 15% more. And then in July, I wanted to do a bit more. And then, and then it was, and then uh, that sort of August onwards, it was just, you know, one of my team came back from furlough for a few weeks. He then had got another job in teaching. So he came back for four weeks and then someone else came back and someone else had just come on for the end of July. And she, before she came on for two weeks before going off to have her baby. So we sort of dovetailed it in end of July, August, early September, where we had someone else in sales, not just me, because it was pretty full on. And then it just exploded. It was just the most extraordinary time. Is that when, so obviously by now we're like September, October time. So we're, yeah. we're kind of like going back into lockdown again, almost. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, it was basically, it was more just on the eat out to help out. Everyone was enjoying lunch on the government. Yes. And then it's like, actually there's a spike coming and it's going to sustain itself. Yeah. And that's, that's when it went. Absolutely stratus whatever the word is but you know what i mean just yeah it just you know we set ourselves like right well, let's try and do 10 percent more you know we hit our october sales target by the 10th of october you know and then by november it was just like you know and then we you know november we turned our website off for three days because we just literally couldn't which is like christmas stuff coming in it at that point because obviously christmas was cancelled by boris yeah. at that point so it's just this sort of just Growth, growth Christmas parties growth. on Zoom. Yeah, and 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 we were lucky because we we had built out this freelancer network because we we sort of foresaw it coming, not quite the scale that it did, but we, you know, Paul, my head of events, was brilliant, and you know, training freelancers and getting people on board with the the tech and how it, how it works. Obviously, we built all this these systems the year before, which was really the thing that allowed us to do this. You know, it's having that infrastructure, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. And, and what's brilliant is the first time ever, I mean, you'll know what it's like in, in, in sales, the customer is right. This is the first time we could tell the customer what to do, probably the only time. And I mean, and I mean that in a positive, because we were saying we wanted people to book online. So January 2020, we launched our website with online booking, and obviously we took no bookings online before that point. By the end of the year, 90% of our bookings were online because customers were phoning up going, I need to book an event. Yep, you can book online with a credit card. Oh, we're not allowed to use credit cards. I was like, okay, right. We are flat out. I mean, literally, you'd miss three calls when you're on the call. He's like, mm. I might go around to the booking form tonight by 11 o'clock, but I can almost guarantee by the, then the slot you want will be gone. So, and I wasn't being arrogant salesperson. It was, that was the truth. It was like, you, if you don't book it online now, I promise you within an hour, it will be gone. They're like, really? I was like, trust me. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, so and then sure enough, you know, twenty minutes later, you see a booking come online from that client with a credit card they'd somehow found. But it also actually helped a lot of people as well because 
finance well every every company's teams were shrunk they were on furlough and you know so actually they were saying yeah i can book online with a credit card that actually saves me the aggro of getting an invoice because i've only got one person in the finance team and they're part-time and they're rushed off their feet so actually i've got a credit card i can book it it so we solved it solved it, it was good for us but actually nine times out of ten it was good for the customer it helped them to, to to do to to work in that way and the way they needed to work to be able to just get stuff done they, they were given this job of organizing events for their remote team they didn't really know what they were doing none of us really did you know and this was one bit that just said look you can go online it's booked in three minutes you have all the confirmation everything you need with the vat receipt ready and they they thought it was magic so it just just yeah right place right time i, I remember when i saw it and i think i got a call from yourself yeah and you said yeah you can just you can just book you know any event online and here's the availability checker and mm. i was just like this is this is exactly what we need because yeah. we've got customers calling that want events and we always have to then send an email to check availability, wait for that email to come back. Mm. Whereas on the phone, I could just say it's available. Yeah. And they'd be like, can I put that now? And they'd be like, yeah, that's, that's fine. You can. Yeah. And that was a bit of a game changer, especially during the pandemic when, like you said, you had so many calls coming in that mm. the next call would come in, would be asking for the same time, same slot. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, if I can't have that slot, what else can I have? And you'll be like, okay, I don't know. Yeah, because you're the only one that has that system. Yeah, and I think it was also, you know, from a what what also made us feel really proud about that is that it also it gave a lot of companies. I had so many nice messages off business owners in our industry who sort of they say thank you, Johnny and your team because what you did actually created a capacity to actually mm. service what clients needed. You know, we we've, we've got our you know. We've got you know thirty odd global licensees. We're all team building companies in other countries, and they all, almost without exception, say you know the tech and what we did and what we were able to help them with, save their businesses during that time. We gave them product to sell. We, and, and that you know, and that was I don't know. I get a lot of personal satisfaction from that. That we had product, we had things that worked. We were getting, we had systems that made it easy for people. Everyone was under pressure. Everyone was scared. Everyone wanted to try and help people. And and I think, you know, in one small way, we did a bit for that for the events oh. industry. And I think, you know, we, we, you know, we get a lot of satisfaction from that. It was a good, it allowed a lot of companies to continue trading and keep paying their staff and keep paying their bills. And that was, you know, that was a good thing. Definitely, definitely. Did you take a lot of enjoyment from that busy period? It was the most exhilarating period yeah. of my life. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> yeah. And when you've got, when you're selling it like that, you just, actually had hot cakes, basically. It was the only time <laughs> I had something that was. I can only imagine it's what happens when you've got a, you create a record and you put it online and it goes viral or it goes. I can appreciate back. that. Yeah, it's the only way I can explain it. We had the hottest ticket in town. We had the capacity to cope with it. We had the systems to deal with it, and we just couldn't sell enough of it yeah that's the only regret because <laughs> i think if we carried on selling it we yeah. would have just carried on selling it you I mean, had unlimited capacity yeah like i said we turned yeah. the website off for three days because we just you know we, we were taking bookings and my, my head of events at paul said look we just got to just get everything scheduled correctly you know we knew we were we weren't taking bookings that we couldn't fulfill but it was it was a little bit you know at times you're thinking you know, bearing in mind we did what 104 events on the busy Thursday 
you know, in one day. That gives you an idea of the sort of the scale of what, what it was. But yeah, I mean, I won't lie. I mean, it's a funny time because obviously it was really challenging. I've got two young children who have been homeschooled and you're, you know, on one hand you're juggling all of that. And then on the other hand, you've got this amazing business solution that is just, you know, right place, right time, helping people, helping bring people together, you know, at a really fair price. We weren't, we weren't, you know, exploiting people with what we were charging. We were just, it was just a great, yeah. Having thought I might lose my business by Christmas, you know, the opposite was the case. It was like the proper, we'd hit a, we'd hit a, a rich seam of opportunity. So yeah, emotionally, as for everyone, uh, the, uh, the emotions of 2020 will, will, will stay with me forever. The highs and the lows. It was, it's uh, the, one of the longest years, I think. One of the most believable year in so many different ways. Yeah. So under 2021. So yeah, it was kind of lockdown ish for a, yeah. the beginning and, but companies were still, you know, primarily working from, from home. Um, yeah. when did you start going back to in-person as well? So we, it would have been the summer 2021, I guess we started to do it, but it was, we came up with a bit of a radical solution because what I'd, what I didn't like about the wild goose in 2018 was just all the logistics and complexities of running an events business where you're moving people and iPads and stuff all over the country. And what I'd loved about virtual, I know a lot of people don't like virtual. What I loved about it is that it was so scalable. You know, I could sell an event there. I could have someone running it in Toronto. We had the tech to bring it together. I love, I loved it. it. It ticked every box for me from a business perspective. But obviously, as we saw the in-person was returning, we were then faced with a decision. Right, what do we do? Do we, do we not do it? Do we go back to how we used to work? I didn't want to go back to how we used to work. I was like, I don't want, I don't want that old business. That's that old business I fell out of love with. I didn't want to go back to that. There's a, there's got to be a better way. And we came up with a very radical suggestion, which was to run in-person events, but with a remote host. So you'd be sat in your meeting room, go, right, we're going to do a team activity. You put your screen up. Our host would beam in from wherever in the world to explain the game. You would then get into teams, maybe head outside for a GPS game or stay in your room. And the concept was brilliant. What we probably didn't, what we underestimated is that people didn't want to be on a Zoom call. You know, they've been on Zoom for a year. They were going back to an in-person event. And when you said, oh, we've got a remote host who's going to beam in by Zoom, they heard the Z word. And I think they just went, no, no, you're right. And I guess we were probably, we probably had a bit of arrogance about us because without being too crude, we'd built up a lot of cash reserves over that period, that year. You know, we'd, we'd done really well. And I guess we'd afforded ourselves a position where we were like, let's give this a go. Yeah. You know, we want to try this. We want to change. The world's been through so much change. Hey, who's to say we can't change it again? And don't get me wrong, it worked really well because also what it did for us is it removed a lot of unknowns. So if you were running an event with an in-person host, let's just say I booked you, Dan, to go and run an in-person event in Oxford and then you got COVID the day before, you couldn't run it. And I didn't, I, and then we're like, oh, but we can't get anyone else you know you've obviously got a lot of hosts who were worried about being in person i mean the, it was a divided world wasn't it i mean even within my group of friends you had people who were like 
oh, I don't mind. I've had a vaccine or whatever. And others would be like, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm staying at home and I'm going to wear my mask and be really diligent. And, you know, and, and our, our freelancer community reflected that, you know, so we didn't have the capacity to go back to sending people out and about. So we took this approach with remote hosts, which gave us the option to the opportunity to scale, continue to scale. And it did all right, but it wasn't brilliant. But I don't think I don't think 2021 was brilliant for anyone, really, because it was neither one thing or the other. You know, it was it wasn't there was no this sort of virtual, you know, I mean, we're still doing a lot of virtual, don't get me wrong, but it was it was nothing obviously like the year before. It was this sort of one foot in, one foot out. Wasn't yeah. it? You know, it was neither one thing nor the other. Whereas when everyone was locked down, it was one thing. So it was a hard year, but it was still, a, you know, still a good year for us. We we still managed to grow the team, and you know, we invested a lot in the team that year. We continued to invest in the systems. We, yeah, we wanted to make in person work in the way that that it had worked for us in the past. Yeah, with virtual. And obviously, that that year as well was was difficult because. For example, Christmas was going to be a bit of a live, a bit of a virtual experience, mm. and then Boris cancelled Christmas. Yes, and then it became a Christmas rush, but it was a much more contained Christmas rush, from yes. what I remember. Yeah, it was a much shorter lead time. Again, it was it was our second. So Christmas traditionally was never a massive time for us because mm. you know our core headline products of GPS games outside. Funny enough, people don't really want to charge around london hmm. you know in the snow <laughs> two, two degrees when it's raining so we it's never, christmas has never been massive for us so when boris made those announcements you just saw the spot you know the, the sales mm. spike go again I remember that yeah and it just literally was like bang and we were ready for it because we kind of suspected it would happen we were ready for it and again big we actually sold more events that Christmas than the previous Christmas. Did you? What was the record for the number of events you did one day? I think 104. We, it was 104 yeah. again. We did well. We did 104. <clears throat> was it 104 that year? And maybe it was 100. But we did 32 concurrent events at the same. That was the, uh, 32 at the same time as our record. At, I think about four o'clock on that Thursday, we had 32 yeah. events happening globally at the same time. How were your servers coping with that? Very well, because they were <laughs> built to scale. So, <laughs> so our, our tech team did a very good job. Good, it good. just kept just going and going and going. And yeah, it was just, yeah. So it was, it was, again, it was a good, it was a really good Christmas from a trading perspective, mm. but it was a funny old year. It's a funny old year. Yeah. It was, again, it was another long year where nothing was certain. Nothing was You certain. couldn't do any business planning. No. And you just had to pretty much just bounce from one nightmare to another yeah. sometimes it was like yeah like... and i felt really really sorry for so many people in our in the events industry because you know if you ran a hotel or venue you really were pinning your hopes on christmas and meetings and of course that just kept goalposts kept getting moved and changed and i mean like i say we 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 were one of the few beneficiaries from what happened in the pandemic from a you know a business perspective I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been in a, a business that was really 100% reliant on people getting back together again with no alternative. And to have that sort of rug pulled out from under you must have been really, really demoralizing yeah. for so many people. Definitely a tough time. I mean, 2022, obviously, February, March time, I think we noticed the impact. People stopped almost booking virtual with us. Yeah overnight like we were getting emails from people saying this is our last virtual event 
very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, excited well. about yeah. it. And we were like, like booking a party to good. celebrate. How did how did that transition happen for for Wild Goose? 2023 again 2022 again funny year for us we and again i think this is where we were victims of what we do with our tech and what our approach is with remote events because i think again by remote hosts again we were a little bit stubborn about it with with remote hosts we were like look you know we want to do a remote host if you want an in-person host we'd refer them to maybe one of our partners who uses our tech and they would deliver so when you say remote host, what does that what does that actually mean? So they beam mean? in via video link to brief the group on a big screen. Okay, okay. So we're not there. We carried that on in 2022. We lost a lot of work because of that, and that had an that had a quite a material impact, I think, in terms of our sales because actually we underestimated how sick and tired people were of virtual events. Maybe we were living in a little bit of a bubble because of what we did and. Mm how we, you know, we're speaking to so many people who work remotely and they were fine with it all. So yeah, we, we, we stuck to our guns last year and uh, yeah, it probably had an impact on us in terms of sales. Uh, and we started to see kind of by the end of the year, towards the end of the year, we we're thinking, right, what do we do here? Do we, you know, do we change the model? Do we go back to how we used to be? What are we, what do we do? You know, what's the, you know, what's the, the future of, of the, the business look like you know is it going to be are we going to just have to just accept that this is how in-person events are going to be and we just got to go back to how we're going but i just didn't want to do that i didn't have a passion to do that we have since introduced on-site hosts but you can't book them online it's it's based on individual quoting and we generally will do it in the uk but nowhere else we can't we can't really offer it anywhere else on-site hosts interestingly enough the remote hosting actually, in some respects, is quite nice for the, because it's much lower cost for people. Mm. The financial turbulence of the last six months has actually, people have, we've done more and more remote hosts because people have gone, actually, yeah, we want, we want a host there, but we're quite happy to not pay for it. The budget is leading the, more the, than... The budget is leading us towards this. Yeah. And of course, now we've got so many more testimonials on our Trustpilot about people who have had such a superb experience with our remote host you know so it was a it, it it's still i think a really good concept so you're kind of at the beginning yeah again it could be the beginning of maybe that being normal maybe and and i think what we're seeing is larger groups want someone there smaller groups that may be happy to have a remote host and because we lost a lot of work with larger groups that's probably what made 2023 bit of an average year for us whereas for many people in the industry especially in the team building 2023 was one of their best years ever you know it was this return to in person and almost money's no object we just want to get the teams back together again for the first mm -hmm. time in three years and we want to have a summer event you know so that you know for us that last you know 2022 i keep saying 2022 2023 i get my years mixed up yeah. <laughs> 22 was 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 not a great year for it was all right but for for everyone else in our industry i know it was a great year you know um so we almost did it the opposite way around you yeah know? um and i imagine the sort of future of wild goose now is it it's going to be tech still still as the focus yeah so we we've we've made some quite big strategic decisions in the last six months that actually we want to really push the um the tech side of our business what we've done is we've built an amazing platform that we has been stress tested um at scale beyond belief um 
we've got a great product we've got um some great tech solutions that allow customers to to sell events deliver events build their own products um and that's that's our going to be continually our main focus so we are probably less and less we're still running events but that will become a, a smaller part of our business the bigger part is actually about look we've got these solutions how do we how do we allow you to implement these in your business to allow you to benefit from the the scaling that we've managed to to really benefit from over the last two to three years um we're, we're testing a few things with, with some of our global partners at the moment in terms of our booking online booking systems and you know operational management and all of these things that we've that we've created in-house with our you know with our tech team and and we're pushing that more and more so i think yeah the future the word pivot's been overused a bit in the last three years but we we're, we're sort of going to pivot a bit more in that direction i think and um you know that that's that's something that i think as a business will will provide that that baseline of revenue that we we need because it's still you know our business is still a fairly you know still seasonal still a bit transactional and um but the licensing revenue is good monthly recurring revenue that we can grow um and um yeah i think increasingly we see that as the future of the business yeah i mean um it's been an, an amazing story over the last just couple of years let alone the previous yeah. 17 yeah. years as well so is this your 20th year did you say next year will be our next 20th, 20th year, year. Yeah. and you know surviving 10 years is 95 percent of businesses don't yeah so to get to 20 i think it, it's always been about innovating you know yeah. innovate or die is my mantra you know the minute you stand still is the minute you're going backwards um and i you know i, I firmly believe that 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 is our mindset you know, yeah. the minute you think the minute you think you've cracked it in business it has a nasty habit of biting you and you then have to almost you know you've almost got to disrupt yourself you know the, the amount of times i've launched elements to my business which i thought might cannibalize my own business but i've done it so like the takeaway when i broke my leg i was petrified that having a low-cost self-managed product would damage the the higher paying customers the reality is they're two very different customers People who want a self-managed event are never ever going to spend three times as much to have someone manage an event. They're just different customers, different buying needs, different category perhaps. Um, so I thought it might disrupt this business, but actually in reality it just bolted it on. But that was a risk at the time. I didn't know that um, when we launched the app. You know, it was a complete leap into the unknown. Opening America was you didn't really know what you're doing. You know, you sort of leap of faith. So, and obviously COVID was a different story altogether, but it's just like, um, yeah, I, I think that innovation and just, just never been scared to yeah, rip up the rule book and go again. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's one of the key messages from your story. I mm. think constantly innovating, constantly going again. <laughs> yeah. It's and, and never been happy almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, never been happy that you've, that you've done it. You've got to come constantly think, right, what's next? Who's going to who's going to launch something that could disrupt our business. I'd rather that be me than someone else. Yeah, that's a very, um, uh, very good point there. So where can people find out more about Johnny and more about Wild Goose events? Well, our website, wearewildgoose.com, um, is, um, is all of our products are there, um, all of our availability. Um, yeah, everything we do, it can all be found on there. Fantastic. Lovely. Well, that's all from... 
we built this business with Dan. I'm Dan. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Take care, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye.